The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Uh, Margareta Vestager, the European Union's Directorate General for Competition, is well known in the United States for actions like a ruling last year that Ireland had granted illegal tax benefits to Apple, resulting in a $14 billion liability for Apple. She says she's enforcing Europe's view of a fair market. What we are looking at is, of course, fair competition. And, uh, and we do want to see that also the successful companies, those who have grown big, that they allow for others to challenge them. But some see an instinctive mistrust of big corporations on her part. And Vestager's tenure has provoked anger from many large American companies. Samant Subramanian uh, is an award-winning author and a contributor to Bloomberg Business Week, and he has written a profile of Vestager for Bloomberg Business Week, which is out now. Samant, well, thanks for being here with us. Uh, you know, she seems to have a particular perspective on matters of competition in Europe. What is it that is her sort of philosophy about how to approach questions of fair competition? Well, I think her, uh, her basic philosophy over here is that Europe has a very fixed and definite view of what a fair market is. And that view may differ from how the Americans view it or how the Chinese view it. Um, and, you know, that's fine for each market has its own rules and its own perspective. But if you want to play in, in Europe, you have to play by the European rule book. Um, and this is, uh, this, is, this is this sort of a foundational philosophy of the EU itself, is that if the market is policed well and sensibly in a certain way, it, it, it sort of distributes the widest and deepest benefits to society. So in, you know, from, the, from the point of view of the U.S., it can often seem as if the EU's vision of a free market is much more constricted and narrow. Uh, but I think we have to sort of look at it from within the EU itself and try to see what they're trying to achieve. You write that in late March, the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative reiterated its opinion that Vestaya is deviating too far, far from prior case law. And you quote one former Treasury official from the Obama administration as saying her staff resembled a bunch of plumbers doing electric work. Explain that. Is she deviating from prior case law? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't think she's deviating so much as sort of pushing the envelope a little bit. Uh, but we have to remember these are, these are very specific times we're living in. You know, after 2008, not only in Europe, but even in the U.S., there's been sort of a widespread public sentiment that there are too many corporations getting away with too much sort of uh, – with paying too little tax, with essentially sort of evading or eluding – uh, paying the rightful amount of tax by setting up offices in a tax haven or moving money around overseas. And this is a sentiment that is not just you know, prevalent in Europe but in the U.S. as well. Uh, so, the, so the rules that uh, Vestager and her office are playing by, the rules are already there on paper. They're part of the brief of the office itself. But she's certainly being sort of a lot more activist in the way in which she's enforcing them. Samantha, the... Um 
the way that you know it it comes across to a lot of American companies, particularly companies like Apple, that have been the subject of rulings by the EU that haven't been in their favor. Sometimes it looks to them as though she's really, and she and the, her her colleagues in the EU are really targeting big American multinational companies. Is that a fair assessment of the way that she and the EU have approached these matters? No, I don't think it is. I mean, we have to remember that a lot of the so-called sort of big American cases that she's ruling on now, which is Apple last year, Google, which will be later this year, all these cases were actually opened during the tenure of her previous uh, of the previous competition com- commissioner, you, um, officer who's from Spain. And if you look at the statistics of the number of cases that she has opened during her own tenure, I mean, they don't they aren't sort of wildly off the charts in terms of how many American companies they target. Just to give you an example, uh, her predecessor. Uh, opened 276 antitrust cases during his tenure. 39 of them were American investors, uh, two-and-a-half-year terms so far. 11 out of 81 uh, uh, companies have been American in the antitrust cases she's opened. So the ratios aren't sort of, you know, they they aren't really, they don't justify the kind of prevalent sense that she's anti-American. I think it's just the sort of the size of the Apple award combined with the particular timing of Apple and Google and Starbucks and Amazon, all of these cases coming together over the course of one or two calendar years, that's making it seem as if she's uh, she's particularly vindictive towards the big American corporation. But I don't think that's the case. You write about her discussion of competition law in the severe moral terms of a biblical patriarch. Is she strict by the rules and no room for compromise? I think she is. I think there's just sort of, uh, it's a very black and white world that she, that she inhabits, I think. I mean, she used to be a politician in Denmark. And, you know, the nature of being a politician itself is you sort of compromise here and there, you make deals, you don't automatically get sort of the ideal vision of the world that you want. And a lot of people who I met in Copenhagen said that she's really come into the office that she can best inhabit. The office of the uh, of the competition commissioner is something where you're handed a playbook, a rule book, and you literally just, you, you could sit in a tower and make these decisions based on what's given to you on paper. There's no sort of, there's not much room for negotiation. You don't have to cut deals. Uh, it's really sort of cut and dried. And it's something that she's, she has temperamentally been suited to almost all her career. Well, speaking of her career, what, how is it that she ended up in this position? I mean, she was a very, she was sort of a young tyro in Danish politics. I mean, she joined in 1988 when she was 20. She joined her party and first ran for the Danish parliament. She lost that particular race, but she's been working with her party ever since she was 20 years old. Uh, It's a party that has a particular kind of fondness for policy, wonkery, I guess you could call it. Uh, They're a sort of an essentially pragmatic party where they do what's best for the people, regardless of which uh, part of the ideological spectrum of solution comes from. So she rose quite fast. And I think in sort of the mid-2000s, she became known very quickly uh, for sort of taking tough decisions, for taking decisions that she believed to be right, uh, even if it earned her a measure of unpopularity, either with her colleagues or with people. And uh, and uh, she was part of a coalition government, uh, and she did quite well over there. She was a minister for the economy. And she, as a minister of the economy, she was working a lot within the intra-EU circuit of economic and finance ministers. 
So I think when it came time for Denmark to appoint somebody uh, to the new EU commissionerate, uh, they chose Vestager. Well, our thanks to Samantha Subramanian for joining us today to talk about his uh, Bloomberg Businessweek article on Margareta uh, Vestager, excuse me, the uh, European Union Directorate General for Competition. A lot of companies around the world, not just in America, Google, Gazprom, Apple, Fiat, Amazon, Starbucks are going to be affected by her actions in the upcoming couple of years. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks to our technical director, Chris Tercomi, and our producer, David Sucherman. You can find more legal news at BloombergLaw.com and BloombergBNA.com, plus an invaluable website for the legal community at BigLawBusiness.com. Coming up on Bloomberg Radio, Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson. Carol, you're in Boston. What are you going to talk about? We are Michael Best, Mass Robotics in Boston, and we've got the CEO of DraftKings, the CEO at TripAdvisor, and the Patriots owner, Bob Kraft, and a very happy birthday to you, Michael Best. Well, thank you very much. I didn't think we were going to talk about that today. That's our last topic on Bloomberg Law. Stay tuned for Bloomberg Markets and all of that and more here on Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.